Well, you can throw whatever you like at this US equity market. It absorbs it and we make new all-time highs. We've seen the US dollar have a bit of a run, but some of the heat seems to be coming out of the US dollar. And Blake and I look at the factors that could drive the US dollar in the short term and where the future direction potentially lies. We look at the gold move and ask, are we going to see 2000 or 2100 in the short term? We look at Chinese equity markets, which of course have been very much in the spotlight. And we look at trades around that. And we look at also trades more broadly in the FX markets. It's another day in paradise. And this is The Trade-Off. Hi, I'm Chris Weston from Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And as always, we will be discussing the setups, the news, the flows that we're seeing on our radars, and everything that we decide to make a probabilistic sense of what's going on in financial markets. Mr. Blake Morrow, come into the program. Well, I think we've seen central bankers push back uh, on imminent rate cuts. The market or the equity market seems to absorb it pretty well, as I said in the synopsis there. Um, the dollar's taken a bit of a heat. The capital markets, the financial markets change. We adapt. What are you seeing? How are you feeling it? It's it's bullish, Chris. <laughs> there are no pullbacks, and we're in breakout territory. I mean, you can't deny it. Um, you can't fade it. It's uh, it, it's like you've got the market chasing it. You've got bears turning bullish. I mean, what's there not to really like about where we currently stand? Will it last? I don't know. But Right at this very moment in time, at this very second, the bullish breakout continues, Chris. What's there yeah. to be said? Yeah, there's nothing much to be said. I mean, it's just one of those things. I think you coined it really, really well recently where you said it's too strong to chase uh, or it's too high to chase, but it's too strong to be short. You know, And I think that's it's, it's just what do you do? And I think that's people are, people are chasing it and they're going for it. In fact, this is one of the factors that I want to bring up in, in Topical Thunder. So let's not ruin the surprise. Let's go straight into it. Let's go Topical Thunder. Blake, uh, bring up the US equity markets because, look, I think if you look at earnings, you know, we're past the, the sort of the meat of market cap now. Um, what have we seen? 5% earnings growth. EPS growth has been all right. 4.1% sales growth aggregate across the companies that have reported. Um, yeah, we've seen 62% beating on EPS. We're actually relatively low. I think the sort of ab- the five-year average is around 78% of companies typically beat on the EPS and, and about 60 so or on, on sales, which is a little bit above. So earnings has gone right from an, from an earnings perspective. Margins are, are okay. Um, but yeah, this is a market where, where volatility is low. Uh, that brings volatility to dynamic funds in there. Zero DT option space, hedging flows, very, very prevalent. We've just seen S&P futures above 5,000. The cash market pretty much hit it almost to a dime and it pulled back a little bit. Tech's performing, but reps all right. I mean, go back to the question we just asked there. I mean, are we just do we just stay long if we're in positions? Do we just hold on and, and think that it's going to go higher? How do you trade this? Well, it's, t- it's tough to – well, <laughs> let me just say that again. It is too strong to be faded, you know, yet it's a little too overbought to be bought. But that doesn't mean you should. It, it, I use the other analogy, you either get on the train or you just get out of the way, get on the bus or get out of the way. And, and uh, you know, it's I, I'm going to use some anecdotal evidence with uh, some text messages that I get from angry uh, trader friends that I have that uh, don't necessarily 
they kind of do things their own way because they've been in the markets for a couple dozen decades. And they uh, are a couple, 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 not dozen decades, couple decades. Um, here, here's, a, here's a good one. And NVIDIA gained Tesla market cap in a month. It also gained Intel market cap since Friday. Gained Ford Motor Company in valuation since yesterday's lows. When you see texts like this from angry people, that means A, they're short. That means B, you know, they haven't thrown in the towel yet. So you got a lot of bears in there that are still bearish, that are going to continue to be bearish until they finally yank it. That's why we can go into the, the uh, uh, um, uh, what, what it, what's the term that I used, what, last week, two weeks ago? Looks like we're going into blow off top territory. But you know what's interesting about this equity market rally? The dollar isn't participating. What you would think would be happening with the dollar isn't. And I think if you are trading currencies, you got to be um, aware of that. Because if you have been just selling dollars thinking, I'm deploying dollars elsewhere, I'm going to buy some Aussie, I'm going to buy some Kiwi, I'm going to buy some, uh, you know, this, that and the other thing, I'm going to, you know, sell some yen, you're, you're, you're not really getting well, paid right you now. Could, you could almost and, argue that a stronger US dollar that's run that's run concurrently with a stronger equity market may probably sees people may take your money out of the Chinese equity market because you know a stronger dollar is bad for the Chinese equity market. So maybe you're seeing some flows there. I just want to say one thing, Blake. You know, we we talk about this from a the, these moves in the, the equity market very much from a from a from a sort of a daily four hour sort of higher time frame perspective. But you know, there there for the day traders out there, there have been downtrend days. You know, there, there's been you know, it, it, this this move higher we've been seeing is for your swing traders and people are holding that. But for the day traders out there, there have been shorting opportunities. You just got to trade intraday um, and and move in there. So it's not a one size fits all. I think there'd be scalpers out there and certainly day traders out there saying, "Well, hang on a sec, we're actually shorting." And there's, there's there are plenty of opportunities. There are high to low days that we see on an intraday basis, and let's not forget those people as well. So there are shorting opportunities, but you've got to take those time frames and you've got to trade the day trade. But for people are holding them over long. Um, you know, obviously, the the trend is very much a friend in that situation. It is, and and let's not forget, Chris, before we need before we move on, that, that this market is driven by a couple of big names. Um, although, you know, we talked about Apple. I think Apple was a setup from last week, and I'm like, you know, right after earnings, it gapped down right to the 200 DMA, just a little past it, where we were talking about that tre rising trend line. It was a wedge trend line, and if you would have picked up Apple right at that wedge trend line, soon as the day after they reported earnings, we completely filled that gap. So there's a lot of opportunities out there and not all markets. If you look at an equal weighted index, it is, yeah, it's grinding higher, but it's not at all time highs. Not like not like the S&P 500, which is really like the S&P like seven or 10, you know? So anyway, um, very interesting market. How it's, it, breath is not good and it's being driven by a couple of big names, but you got to respect it. Bottom Res line. Respect. Respect. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Let's talk about the FOMC. Uh, you know, we came off the FOMC meeting uh, ye or, uh, yesterday, last week. We talked a little bit about it, but you know, you know, the Fed chair he came out he he came out hawkish. He actually even went to the extent to publish an interview on 60 Minutes, which was tele televised to all the world, but you know, directed at at, at Americans, um, really talking about. You know, he's, he's quite hawkish in his messaging. You've got all the Fed governors that we've heard up to this point this week that are kind of running the same tune. And the question is, does the market get it that, you know, that, that, that rates may not come down as rapidly as they once expected? 
But more importantly, as you pointed out in the intro, do they care? I mean, in, in, you know, in your monologue, you, 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 you know, we're basically saying, Hey, we've absorbed it. The market's absorbed it. Do they care? Because our economic data is so strong, we can absorb these higher rates. What are your thoughts here on monetary policy? And does it even matter? Let's say we only get a half a half, half a percent or, you know, 50, 50 basis point cut over the course of 2024. Does the market even give a crap? Well, what I do think you think? It, I think, you know, the, the, the Nirvana situation that keeps equity markets supported on dips, knowing that the Fed put is in the market now, right? We know there's a Fed put. First time in a long time with inflation coming down, there is a Fed put that, 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 that protects us. But as long as this, this backdrop of three rate cuts, perhaps four over the, by the end of the year, insurance cuts that comes down to a more equilibrium uh, setting is married up with, with of a non-recessionary soft landing situation, which is what we're clearly seeing from the consumer data. The services ISM number was really strong. Obviously, payrolls, you can look at consumer confidence numbers they've been blowing. As long as that dynamic is not threatened, rate cuts or insurance cuts with strong services and, and consumer data equity markets like so that's the nirvana situation what derails the situation is if we start seeing a recessionary uh, situation come into play or a a significantly cooling labor market or both of those two and that's not going to happen overnight that that needs a trend Um, but at the moment we've got a a goldilocks background which is that the market's still saying we're going to get three maybe four rate cuts this year and economic data is still really, really strong. And we've got inflation, which is trickling down to target over maybe by the end of this year, if not beginning next year. That is the Goldilocks scenario the market likes, right? And earnings are growing yeah, and as well. So, so with that being said, Chris, next week, I mean, this week, we don't really have much US data that that, that we can hang our hat on. Next week, we do have CPI. We got retail Big sales. Big one. Uh, we got some Philly Fed data. So, you know, there, there's some data that could impact us next week, but that's next week. Yeah. And we're trading today. So well, look, just to answer your uh, question, I, I, I don't think the markets, I think Jerome Powell did a fantastic job of shutting the door on a March cut. And, and he wants more confidence um, of that figure. But the market, the, if you look at the pricing for May, it's around about 80%. So we've been around 80% pl- implied probability of a cut in the May FOMC meeting. I mean, does it matter if it's May or is it June? I don't think it matters too much. I said last week that I think it was May. Some people are saying it's June. It's going to happen in one of those months. It feels like the probabilistic situation. But he certainly did a pretty good job in, in anyone who was, um, you know, long rates uh, for, for the March contract. I mean, obviously, they've had to close their positions pretty quickly, and that's boosted the US dollar to an extent. Um, but, you know, we were sitting there going, well, when did the Fed have confidence, as we saw in that last paragraph in the statement, and I think the market's saying probably May, maybe June. I think that that's your window when we get the cut. Yeah. Anyway, let's go into the situation. I'll talk about this situation where Jerome Powell has closed the door on a March cut. Uh, we've seen an element of rate cuts for, for this year coming out of the market. Let's say one rate cut coming out. Um, and they've shut it a little bit. And, and, and like you say, there was a, 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 like a co- cohesive message from the Fed. In fact, there's been a, a globally co- cohesive message. We've heard that from various ECB meepers. Yeah, the RBA um, weren't as dovish as the market was expecting. The RBNZ have been a little bit more hawkish of late bank account. So there's been this kind of collective view that we're pushing back on imminent rate cuts coming through. Um, 
but we saw a little bit of a move in the US dollar. I mean, but recently now we're starting to see that that come back. I mean, we've seen cable trade back into its 126, 128 range. Aussie dollar, which had this nice head and shoulders pattern, um, has pushed back above the neckline. Um, our, you, know, you saw the Kiwi against the US dollar. We, we, last week, we, we showed that bear flag position. It's come back to test the channel support, former channel support. Um, dolly ends pulled back a bit. So where are we on the dollar? Are we, are we buying dollars now? Or are we just we're just waiting for a little bit more, um, maybe ahead of the CPI numbers next week, just to see how it's going. Well, where's your conviction lie on the US dollar here? And what, what, what cross do you like? Yes. So the next topic that we need to talk about, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, uh, well, come on. You don't want me to give away the rest of the show, do you? I mean, I'll just, I just, right, just, 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 let, just, just get your little no. bag and open a little <laughs> bit. Go on. Show us what in your FX bag. Come on. <laughs> You know, um, I, I I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I, first of all, I, I really want to, I can't wait till we get into the next subject, actually the next topic. Um, so just hang on, hang on there. But I, I like the dollar. I still like the dollar. You know, the technical damage has been done. You look at Sterling. Yeah, we came back into the 126 to 128 range, barely. But we also made a lower low. Aussie dollar. We actually cracked the 618. Are we back up a little bit? Yes. But after everything that's happened in China, why isn't the why isn't they isn't uh, the Aussie dollar so much higher? Why you know the Kiwi great great jobs data last night. We're barely ten ticks higher than we were last night or you know today early morning for you. Um, Euro can't get out of its own way. So do I still like the dollar? Yes, I do. The exceptionalism story there. The exceptionalism story is still there, isn't it? I mean, you, with China, we're going to see a CPI print in, in a couple of hours. And that's going to show well, potentially you know, a fourth month of deflation. I think that's a sign of, of poor domestic demand. Um, I mean, I think if you're looking at US data, the data flow has been significantly better in the US, certainly on the services side and the consumer side, than really anywhere else in G10. Um, so I think from an exceptionism perspective, the, the, the dollar is your standout currency to be long. I think the, probably the, the headwind against the dollar has been the strong equity appreciation. I mean, typically when the equity market rallies, you go into the high beta risk on currencies and the dollar gets sold off. So maybe that's holding us back a bit. But if you're looking at pure data flow, um, you know, looking at various parts of the US dollar small theory, well, from an exceptionism perspective, the US dollar has got a lot to like on it, right? It does, and I and I think you have to be really hesitant about being too short the dollar until you start to see the data reflect that. So until you start to, and, and again, you have to start thinking next week, until you see economic data really turn, the dollar probably is gonna stay in favor. So take that you know, for what it is uh, as you trade the markets and you try to navigate through the currency markets, I think. Um, and then, then it's going to come down to the question like Ryan Littlestone, uh, who's on the UK trade off, you know, he made a great point of saying it this week. You know, it's going to be a race to find out who's going to cut first. I, I think that's going to be the next. Well, the ECB so. are the favorites there. I mean, if we have a look at the, 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 the chain of, of, of markets, I mean, the ECB meet on, I think it's the 11th of April. Uh, that is the, the markets pricing in an above 50% chance, um, the next bank in G10 is is the US. They were yeah, that's going to be the end of end of April, first of May. Um, we're then looking, you know, um, the the Swedish central bank, the Riks Bank, probably the next one after that. Canadians, and then you get down to the Kiwis, uh, and then the Australians after that situation as well. So yeah, the ECB firmly expected to be the first central bank on the 11th of April, and that's that that's where the market is is pricing in the first cut to come through. So the race is on. Good point. 
the race is on. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about yield since um, this is, I think, going to going to factor in to what we're seeing with the dollar, and and really with probably our economy here in the U.S. But it, you know, our yields are are starting to move higher again. And to be honest, they look like they want to break out. I, you know, at first, you, you know, I thought we were going to have this like, you know, just sell off in yields and the dollar is going to get you know come under pressure. But we've actually seen that reverse a little bit. It looks like, in my opinion, especially based on interest rate expectations, it looks like, you know, the 10-year, and I should pull up the yield. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, you know, we, we look like we're going to actually break out back to the upside. But I have to ask you this, Chris, how is the market going to interpret that? Because, it, you know, we've, it, it, the, 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 the lower yield has actually loosened financial conditions to a certain extent, uh, you know, in the U.S. economy. Um, you're going to start to see mortgage rates go back up. You're going to start to see lending rates go back up. Um, you're going to probably see the dollar uh, stage a, a, a little bit of an upside rally. How are we supposed to take this? Because if the if yields are going up with you, with the economy being strong and data being continuously strong, is that going to be bad for equities or is it going to be good for equities? Can can equities absorb this as well? What are your thoughts about yields and how, how's the market going to interpret it? Well, I think, you know, I think one thing that's been interesting over the last week or so has been the bond government bond auctions. I mean, we saw a three-year bond auction earlier in the week and that was strong. We saw a 10-year, uh, the Treasury Department issued uh, 42 billion of 10-year paper. Um, and it, it was, was very strong, very strong demand coming through, you know. Um, so, at this point, you know what we can look at is is the is the private sector demand for 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 paper issuance at these kind of levels, and it's been very very strong. Um, so I, I think the you know, price sensitive buyers are there at these kind of levels. So I think it goes any higher, and you're going to get the private sector just hoovering it up. Um, so I think there's a natural handbrake on how high yields are going to go because you know inflation is coming down. If you're looking at three month or six month annualized. PCE certainly six months is below the Fed's target, and I think that's going to keep yields fairly well suppressed and keep term term premium um, suppressed on the back end. So yeah, let's have a look at the CPI number next week. I mean, what's expected? I think the the, the early consensus read is if you look at core P, uh, core CPI for next week, um, it's at three point nine percent now. The market's expecting that um, to drop to about three point seven percent. So it's it's going in the right direction. Um, and headline actually is expected to have a big drop. We're at three point four percent on headline CPI, and it's markets expecting that to drop to two point nine percent. So, you know that, that if if that comes to fruition, if that that consent that median consensus view is is correct, then perhaps we can trade a little bit lower in yield, and maybe that's going to be good for a dollar yen short in that situation. It's probably the, the proxy I look at. That said, anything that threatens that would be, I think, could cause some volatility. So. You know, if we saw a higher CPI number than than expected, then your yeah, market wouldn't like that because it's not it's not in the market script. That would that would change well, things. So, be, be, before we, before we move on to the setups, um, you know, we did have a strong auction today. Ten years, we got thirty year tomorrow. A uh, lot of supply coming to the market. A lot more that we got to chew through. Um, but we've also we have some banking worries here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Well, that that yeah, was so that was an interesting one, wasn't it? When the New York Community Bank traded down to 360 today. Buyers stepped in and it rallied a lazy 24% off the bat. I know it doesn't take much to do that because the liquidity is quite poor. But you know, as soon as as, as soon as uh, that 
we saw buyers stepping in. Actually, it just lifted the whole market, you know, that, that, and so that was quite a big positive. So I think people are looking at this. I think the market has swung to the idea that New York Community Bank is a is a very much an idiosyncratic event. They had to increase its capital requirements because they took over Signature Bank um, and, and the, they became a Category 4 bank and effectively the regulator said you need to hold more capital and that's been an issue for them. Um, but it's idiosyncratic. But the market, there's no doubt, Blake, I mean, that, that people are... That it, it, yeah, when it does move up and down, it is, it is it is causing ripples across the markets at the moment. What? Have you lost your sound? No, I'm here. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to move on to the next. I thought you, I thought you were going right, to. I was waiting for you to go, okay, well, let's get into the charts. Sorry, that's my Let's bad. go into the charts. That's a setup. All right, let's go wow, into gold. We that one up. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's just live. This is live TV, mate. Live TV. Uh, <laughs> let's go into gold because we had a um, we had a, a viewer question. Um, I'm not sure how what that name, how you break that up into, into individual parts. But um, one of the things that we left out last week was gold, and of course we can't talk about every asset and every market. And I think last week there wasn't really much movement going on in gold, so we were focused on stuff that was moving. Um, but I think this is quite a poignant point because. Um, if you look at gold right now, if you the RSI is mid-range. We've got um, price trading in a really quite defined range, 2060, 2015 or so. Uh, and you're just seeing that sort of quite convicting trade where you're selling strength, you're buying weakness, and, and, and you're trading that. And you've got the Bollinger Bands, which are contracting, which shows that yeah, that the, the movement away from the 20 days is, is coming in. It's compressing. Um so the question for for me, I continue wanting to trade that, and I think that's a high probability trade that you continue to trade that range. But Blake, do we get twenty one thousand, uh, twenty one hundred, or, or, or two thousand first? How, how where are you seeing the probabilistic situation there? Well, you know, based on how I feel about the dollar, I personally think that we're going to see two thousand before twenty one hundred. I still believe the two thousand seventy failure uh, at the 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 triple top uh, that 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 spike up on a. On a Sunday was um, was an just you know gave us a false breakout. So I think we trade down towards 2,000. I think we go lower, but that doesn't mean I'm short. I, I I've made a point over the last several weeks to just you know tell everybody, even though I think gold's going down, I'm not in the camp of shorting gold. I think gold's one or two headlines away from being at all time highs. So therefore, trying to find a strategic place to be on the long side is the way I look at it. But to answer your question, sim simply put. I think we see 2000 before we see 2021 and you got a you got a triangle that's developing you got lower highs higher lows so that breakout should probably manifest uh here in the next couple of days. Can I just say one I just want to say where we think it, it doesn't really matter to be honest because that's not what trading's about. I I I I personally think we'll be likely to see 2000 before 2100. Um, but I'm not just going to go and sell it and do that like you, right now I just I, I continue to trade the range. But what I think is really important here Blake last week we saw 10-year real rates moving up to 1.91%. Uh, real rates typically a head headwind for gold. We saw the Dixie moving up into the 61.8% retracement of the, of the recent sell-off, and the Dixie was looking pretty strong. The dollar was moving up on a broad basis. But gold's moving sideways. And when you've got these traditional um, headwinds impacting gold and it doesn't fall, that's going to make you say, hmm... So maybe yeah. there's central bank buyers, maybe the Chinese are taking money out of the equity market and buying gold. Who knows what the situation is? Um, but it's held up really, really well 
in the backdrop of these traditional negative forces. And that makes me think that perhaps, um, you know, if we were to see the dollar sell off, you're going to see quite a rip in the in, in, in the gold price. But, um, you know, you've seen pricing out of interest rates. You've seen a stronger dollar, real rates moving up, but gold price is, is hanging in there very, you know, so if I was long gold, I'd be very, very infused by that situation, that, that backdrop and dynamic. I can't disagree with you uh, on that. And so that's why I think that you got to just find a strategic level to be on the long side of gold. I, and I don't know if it's 2000, to be frank, you know. Anyway, um, let's let's move up to uh, move over to my uh, first setup, which is going to be the Euro Canadian. Um, the Euro Canadian, I think, is a very interesting currency. First of all, A, it dropped. And over the last week, week and a half, it stalled at the 618. Fibonacci retracement of that entire move. You can see it's the entire range of, I'm just pulling up the chart in front of me, uh, from the, the September 2023 lows to the November 2023 highs, the support basically being at one, let's just call it 145, the figure. Um, we did 127% extension of that consolidation. You can see how we did that consolidation for literally the end of 2023 to you know the end of January of 2000 of this year and then we broke down but we found support again at 145 so i think this fibonacci confluence offers a good level for very very you know reduced risk manageable risk longs but a breakdown should open up the door for you know sub 144 so i think you could trade it both directions but i prefer to be on the long side here uh, you have any thoughts on the euro cat well Given that you always tell me off for missing something on my chart, and oh, you lost off, you left off your two hundred day moving average. There's, there's a bit, there's a, there's a wedge pattern here, then, and you can see that there. So I think that 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 needs to complete, and and then maybe you've got, then I'd be looking to buy. But right now, um, yeah, I'd be short. I think if, if, but yeah, like I think you're right. Wait for the market to come to you. Break break down through those through those, those Fibonacci levels. Then then it's momentum trade and a continuation pattern. Um, so there is a really nice setup in this trade. You've got that wedge that I talked about off the off the support levels, um, and maybe you get a counter trend move coming through. But you've got to wait for that to complete, or you get a, a further downside move. I, I think the trend is your friend in this situation. I see a higher probability um, that this goes lower, and of course that's all we can work in in trading. That's what trading is about. It's assessing the probabilities, the skewing risk in direction. And uh, go, Blake, get your gun out, put it to my head, and say which direction I'm saying it goes lower. So I think there's a higher probability of it going lower. I want to, yeah. But but if if it does break that 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 wedge pattern, which you've left off the chart, um, and then I then I'd be long in that situation. But I favour this lower. And 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 so which right. where where do you see the skew there? Are you are you are you long? Oh yeah, I I actually want to be long back to the 200 DMA and maybe even higher. So I I, I like I like the way. I like the way the Canadian is acting more so than the Euro. Euro hasn't moved a whole lot. I still think there's some downside, uh, uh, you know, there. But I think the Euro, or excuse me, the dollar CAD looks particularly strong right yeah. now. So good yeah. stuff. Anyway. Well, I want to bring up the, the, the Chinese equity market. Um, and uh, for all our Chinese viewers out there, Sin Nuan Kuai Lu which means apparently Happy New Year. So Happy New Year to all our, our Chinese new, uh, Chinese viewers uh, as we go into the Lunar New Year and, and Chinese New Year on, on Saturday. So that's obviously something we're looking at very closely. Uh, but in terms of the Chinese equity market, obviously they've been getting front page news. They've been getting a lot of attention. Certainly the Hang Seng has. Um, I brought out the CN50, the A50 index, 
Why? Because it's the closest closest representation of the mainland markets, the CSI 300, um, as opposed to the the, the, the the Hong Kong markets, which, yeah, obviously uh, probably not looking as technically interesting. But they, I'm not infused by what I'm seeing in China. They're not fixing the underlying issue, which, of course, is the property space. You know, they're banning short selling, which is always a sign of desperation to me. They're getting funds to buy back ETFs and and and, and buy back stock. And, and, you know, they went out and sacked the, uh, the stock regulator because things aren't working out well. I mean, these are all desperation measures. It has caused a bit of a ripple up to the upside. Um, and technically, I'm interested in, in your thoughts here, Blake, because we bro- we've, we've broken the double bottom neckline and we just seem to be holding it at the moment and just sort of stalling around that 200-day moving or 100-day moving average. Um, one for the brave. One for the brave, I say. How are you seeing the skewer risk in these Chinese equity markets at the moment? Well, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, you throw so much spaghetti against the wall, I guess some of it's going to stick. So, you know, I, it looks like it wants to rally. I see technically your argument. So I can't really argue with that. Um, I, I do look and I, I, I tend to focus a lot on the Australian dollar. I tend to focus a lot on copper and copper. I even tweeted about it today. If you guys follow me on Twitter, it, it looks bearish. Copper looks bearish. I mean, and it continues to get demolished. So with those headwinds, I would have a hard time pulling the trigger. Actually, I'll tell you, even though I don't trade the Chinese markets, I'm telling you right now, me personally, I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. It doesn't meet like my criteria. But I can't argue that chart, Chris. And it looks like a little double bottom that has maybe some more upside left. Yeah, in. well, the so, thing for me, I think the, the point on copper is really interesting. You know, the equity market started to have a bit of a rise. Copper hasn't done it. And I think that just speaks to the underlying issue that the property space is, is not solved. So you can chuck liquidity at the market. You can you can go out and ban short selling. You can do these measures to pump up the stock market ahead of Chinese new, uh, Lunar New Year. Um, but I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's very fickle. And I think it got a little bit higher. I think people outside of China would be looking to short some of these markets. And the great thing about the CN50 is that it's, it, it's a very, very strong correlation with the CSI 300. We can't buy the CSI 300 or, or the futures market there because it's we can't get our money. Or I can't get my money into China. But the, the good thing about the CN50 is it's listed on the it, it trades as a futures market on the the Singapore exchange, so we can do what we like there, um, and, and we can express a view, and that's how we make a CFD on that. So um, yeah, if we were to get a little bit higher, um, given that what we're seeing in copper, which basically tells us that the underlying thematics are not there, and, and that, that this is not solved. I think people will be looking to sell into that. So it's a very fickle market, um, but the technicals are interesting there. They they very they very much are, and I think you're going to have a lot of your viewers and Pepperstone clients that really appreciate that you just brought up that chart. Well, I'm going to bring up a chart that I'm going to. Could you hear that? Pounding the table. Good one. Well done. I'm pounding the table. I don't I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I have a pretty good microphone. Anyway, you know. Chris, when you said, oh, we're back in the range, I hear what you're saying, buddy. I hear it. Yeah. I hear you loud and clear. How do we but do this? How do we do we, How do we trade the range? We're back in the range. What's it mean we, for you? We, we, the range is broken, guys. The range is broken. We couldn't even get back past a 50% retracement today. But more importantly, while it trades below, it's 50 DMA. You can see that arcing turn in that yellow moving average. That's a 50 DMA. While we trade below that, which is just sub 127, I think you got to stay on the short side. And I think it's going to stair step its way lower to finally complete near the 124 level. So if if those of you that are are uh, are trading sterling, 
I think that's the way that you need to trade it. You need to just keep focusing on the downside. Uh, yes, uh, we bounced, and yes, it probably caught some people that were chasing it lower. Um, probably, you know, caught them with the shorts down around their ankles, if you will. But I think you still sell into strength here, and I think it eventually makes its way down to one twenty-four. How are you going to trade sterling, Chris? Well, I, because I, I like this. Outside seems like the range. you're more in the range bound camp. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, right now, I mean, it's it's kind of make or break situation. I love, I lo- you know, I love it that the market's kind of revealed itself. It's pushed back. A, a rollback out of the range would be a firm rejection, and that would be a trigger for me to be short. Um, actually, I like, I've liked some sterling moves. Sterling Swiss has been a good one. You know, we've seen calls of the Swiss National Bank looking to build reserves again, which has seen the Swiss franc underperform. So Sterling Swiss has been you know, one to trade from the long side and, and Euro Swiss has, has been also an interesting trade as well. But um, against the US dollar, I mean, of course, this is there's an element of risk that's involved in, in Sterling dollar. But if this was to roll back down through that range, it would tell me that the market doesn't want to see it back in that range. And that would be the trigger then to go short. The, 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 the fundamental catalyst, of course, we've got the, the, on the dollar side next week, we've got the US CPI numbers, which we've, we've talked about fairly extensively. But we've also got UK CPI numbers next week. I don't have a consensus for that, but they've been falling. Um, and the Bank of England themselves have basically opened the door. They said, look, we're not going to get a rate cut imminently, similar to the Fed, but one is coming. Um, and, and I think there's a fairly concerted view there. In the session ahead, we've got Catherine Mann speaking from the Bank of England. She's a, she's one of the more sort of hawkish members there. So I'm going to be listening to what she has to say about policy. But you know, I think if this rolls back down below the range, that's that would be a bearish signal. And you know, obviously, we're going to be looking at managing that risk ahead of that UK CPI and US CPI next week. So some big catalysts uh, for us to work with on, on the cable front. So interesting trades playing through there. But uh, yeah, give one thanks for bringing that one up. I think that's you know, I think if you look at last throughout the week, yes, that 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 pair has been probably one of the most traded pairs uh, that we've seen. Um, you know, on terms of the flow desk there. So interesting one. To that's interesting. At. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's go to uh, play of the day. But I'm going to bring up Euro Kiwi, and we've we've talked about Euro Cab. You know, Blake sees a higher skew. Um, I want to bring up Euro Kiwi because if you have a look there, we sort of we sold off that that the the, the longer term moving average. We came down uh, into that double bottom. There's been a doji showing that that, that traders are showing a little bit of indecision uh, to push this one lower. Um, but I think this one trades lower now. I think this one trades back into those uh, you know, December lows that we've been seeing around 174. Um, I think that that's the, that's the levels I'm looking for. So again, it comes down to probab- probabilistic situations. Where do I see the skew of risk? I see the skew of risk lower. Um, so would I be trading short now? Perhaps I'd be trading a, a, a very, very small position. If it breaks and kicks lower, I'll be looking to add to those short positions and building as the market goes down. So if I lose, I lose small. Um, but I think this one, this one breaks that double bottom. Um, I like it from from a fundamental perspective. Um, I think there's policy divergence, which is brewing. You know, a better uh, unemployment number in New Zealand. They push back uh, in terms of when they're going to looking to cut rates. The market's now saying that's probably going to be Q3 um, rather than a sort of early Q2 story now. Uh, and I think that yeah, that that brewing central bank divergence is is fundamentally good. Um, but I like this from a growth perspective and, and various factors as well. So I like this one lower. Uh, this is my play of the day. I think 174 would be the levels I'm looking for. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Chris. And I, I, I have to say this, uh, Mike, Michael, if you're listening into this, he mushed my play of the day last last week. I was uh, Kiwi, Kiwi Dollar 
Uh, he, he used it as play of the day, too. And then all of a sudden, the Kiwi got good employment figures. Go figure. Anyway, Michael, you're, you're, on, you're on warning now. All right, let's talk about the dollar. But I, I, will, I will say to Michael's defense and to my defense, I'm still bullish the dollar. And if you look at the dollar, you look at the dollar index. This is the Pepperstone dollar uh, CFD. Uh, is it, see, you guys call it a CFD, right? Yeah, well, this is based off the futures. So, um, yeah, we, okay. we, yeah, so the dollar index. But you trade it as a CFD. Look, I, I think you just buy the dollar index. If that's if that's your jam, I, I think you can play the dollar several different ways. You can play sterling short. You can play the, uh, you can still play New Zealand dollar short, Aussie short, hell, maybe even some euro short or maybe some dollar CAD long. I just like the dollar. So dollar holla. And uh, I think we have some work to do to complete. I think yields are going higher. Um, dollar index uh, is back testing its neckline. So this offers right where we're at a good level to be on the long side. I was bullish two weeks ago. I think it was my play of the day two weeks ago where I, where I was very bullish the dollar and I'm coming right back to it this week. So that's going to be my play of the day, Chris. Dollar longs. Well, if you get this one and right, then we're going to start calling you the dollar whisperer because that's uh, I, know two, I know a sample of two is not a great sample for the statisticians out there. But uh, no. yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, the dollar index is 57% comprised of euros. Then we've got a uh, next is yen, sterling, um, and stock here and so forth. So, but it's the best representation we have of trading the broad dollar as a basket, right? So that's an interesting one there. You know what's crazy, Chris, is I still I even think that the dollar yen is going to see like 150. Yeah, I've, I haven't felt that way in a while, which is weird. Yeah, so, well, well, I think 160 is the new 150 in dollar yen for the for the Bank of Japan hmm. these days. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we'll see. I, I, I don't think that we're anywhere near currency intervention rhetoric just yet. Um, the the move has been more of a grind than a impulsive way up which of course is really important to them anyway thank you for all our viewers out there as i say happy new year happy chinese new year to all the, those who, who observe and, and celebrate that um, and we'll see you more for next more of the trade-off for next week